0: Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Second um, Corinthians chapter ten, verses seven through the eighteenth verse. We got some ground to cover today. Uh, on three, go. One, two, three. Are y'all? Huh? One, two, three, go. Amen, amen, amen. Briefly in our time together, I would like to talk about stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Neighbor. I see you zigzagging all over the place. But I want to encourage you in the Lord in this. Stay in your lane. They they don't feel you. They don't feel you. Look at the person on the other side of you. Say, neighbor. Neighbor. Did you, hear God beep at you? Did you hear God beep at you? He's trying to let you know that in this life, you need to stay, you need to stay in, your lane. in your lane. Let's go before God today. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you that uh, you have a lane for all of us. And sometimes it is difficult to remain where you've placed us. And God, I pray that you would give clarity where we're off and give commitment where commitment is lacking. Um, help this text to greatly encourage us in this season and beyond. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. 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 you may be seated. You may be seated. If you've got a seat beside you, slip your hand up um, in the air if you don't mind. I think we're out of seats, and so um, if you could slip your hand. Oh, nobody has the hand. One, okay, two. Okay, a few, a few, and some up in the balcony. Hospitality, just so you'll know where they are. Um, You know, um, one person um, ended up spending four years (laughs) in undergrad and then two years in grad school and four years getting their doctorate degree and then realized when they got into their craft they hated where they were. Um, uh, Another person is 35 years old and working at a marketing firm as a telemarketer all over the place, starting businesses and trying to start this business and trying to do this and they, they live in a rooming house and are unable to get anything sparked off. I can go story after story to talk about the idea of being all over the place. And, and, and one of the things that, um, that happens in life and particularly in this generation that we're in is there is a lack of self-awareness. Um, when, when there is a lack of self-awareness, you try to ascribe identity to yourself. Somebody ought to hear me today. Uh, many many of many of us, because of we have been so educated by videos and memes that we haven't spent time with the means. And so, and, so, and so what happens is, is we have an idea of what we want to be because of the visual matrix of the artistry of online beauty, not knowing that calling isn't based on external; it's based on internal, and 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 if and if you and if you're not committed to recognizing uh, that that God God has given every believer assignment. Somebody say assignments. As as you get assigned to different things and assigned to different places, you you have to begin to nurture the reality of where God has placed you and be okay with that. If if you're not okay with with, with where you are and what God is nurturing you in, it's not that you're not okay with your assignment, it's because you're not okay with the Lord. And until you get things right with Him, you're not going to be satisfied wherever He puts you. Where you are geographically doesn't bring satisfaction. If you don't realize that the Lord and the Lord alone is the one who brings satisfaction, you're going to be in trouble. And I, I, I've learned in this life. I've learned in this life. I've been. I've seen some ups and I've seen some downs, but if I've allowed the season that I was in to to get me off of task of what God has called me to do and find, I'm getting ahead of myself, find my identity in the task versus the master, you get in trouble. And so we come here to a text where Paul is interestingly defending his apostleship. He's defending his apostleship because the Corinthians, who are a part of his assignment, a part of his assignment and commitment to the Lord as an apostle, um, to go forth into Gentile lands and to proclaim the gospel where no one else uh, was supposed to do it. In other words, he was called to be a gospel pioneer. And many times when you're pioneering something and when you're on a new field of something and you don't have a lot of uh, measures or examples for it, it's easy to doubt. So so over and over and over again you have to remind yourself of your calling or you'll get in trouble because if you don't recognize that God is using you as an imprint and a blueprint for something to come behind you because he's already went ahead of you you're going to get in trouble. And so Paul challenged Paul actually it's interesting. Paul double preaches. He preaches to himself while he's preaching to the people. In other, in other words, sometimes Paul is talking to them, and it seems like he's just talking to them. But sometimes you don't recognize that as you're trying to minister and tell somebody else something, you're really telling you something in return. I, I don't, know, I don't know about you. How many of you have ever you 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 were you were you were unsure, but as you began to tell it and as you began to communicate it, the Holy Ghost began to rise up in you, and you began to feel a whole lot better. Well, in this passage, um, Paul is actually telling himself to stay in his lane. And one of the things that's interesting is that if you notice, when you're driving your car, well, I remember my dad was teaching me how to drive, and I remember I was beeping at people, and my dad would say, what are you beeping at? <laughs> I said, they're coming in my lane. He says, he says, let me ask you this. Are you looking in front of you, or are you looking at them? I said, what you mean? He said, because if you look at the car beside you, It'll look like you're drift, they're drifting into your lane, but in all actuality, because you don't have your eyes in your lane, you're actually drifting into their lane. And so, and so God wants you to stay in your lane. Say, stay in your lane. stay in your lane. Point number one if you're gonna stay in your lane, sometimes you have to clarify things to some people. Sometimes you gotta clarify some things to some people. Every now and then, under the unction of the Holy Ghost, now remember I said the Holy Ghost. Okay. Um, you, God gives you the freedom to clear some stuff up. Um, that means you have to make sure that it's God and not you. You got to make sure it's God and not your guts. You got you, you, you to got, you make sure it's the Messiah and not your mind. Um, you you, you got to make sure of it. So Paul says, look, somebody say, look, Let's stop right there. This is an exegetical term that's beautiful for me because what he's saying here and, and saying, look, is he's not just saying uh, uh, appearances. In other words, that's blue, that's orange. The, 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 uh, the, it's cloudy outside. The ceiling fan's a movie. That, that, that's general sight. <coughs> but what he's telling them to do is he's asking, he's actually using the term to call them to grow up. In other words, when you become a believer, your eyesight changes. Yeah. Let me make it plain. When, you get, when, when you're not saved you have a veil over your eyes. In other words, that veil, based on Ephesians chapter two verses one through three and second Corinthians chapter four verses three through four is that Satan has put a veil over your eyes, closing you off from being able to see the glory of the gospel. Yes. When you trust Jesus Christ as savior, it's not that you saw through the veil, it's that the Holy Ghost had to remove the veil. <laughs> Now with that, now if, if if even if the Holy Ghost removed the veil, you still have the residue of the remembrance of what you saw when the veil was on. So in order for you to see differently, the Holy Ghost had to take them eyeballs out of you and put brand spanking new eyeballs in you and blow a new spirit in you and give you faith so that when you see the gospel, you can appraise it and recognize it for what it is. That not only applies to your justification, it applies to your sanctification. In other words, it applies in believing the gospel uh, for, 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 you, for you to begin to see that God is trying to give you sight beyond sight. And so what's happening here in the passage is Paul is calling uh, the Corinthian church to look at things in a spiritual way versus a carnal way. Let me say that one more time. Viewing things in a spiritual way versus a carnal way. And everything when it has to do with your assignment it's all about sight. Because God never does anything that people would normally view as something that you should do. He always does things backwards from normal so that you can know that when it's getting done, it has to be done by faith. And so what he begins to do is he he says, look at what's before your eyes, spiritual eyes. He says, if anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so are we. What is Paul doing? he's, He's being careful of rooting his identity in his assignment versus Jesus. So, 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 what is he doing? The, 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 these people are almost to the point they've had some either Judaizers or later we'll see some false apostles coming in trying to tread upon the foundation that Paul has already developed in engaging the Corinthian church. And they have been so hoodwinked by those who have been in his ear, that the, in their ear, that they have almost begun to talk about the fact that not only is he not an apostle, not only is he authentically who, uh, 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 who he says he is, but he also might not even be saved. And so you have to be careful when you're moving on your assignment that you listen to the foolishness of folks. Yeah. Because what he begins to do is he has to root himself in the fact once again that he knows Jesus Christ is his savior because there will be people and things that come along your path that make you wonder and think whether or not you're on the right track. I, I remember when I, was, I had a meeting uh, uh, with some people that didn't go here and, and so I get to talk about it real free. Um, Cause I don't put y'all stuff out there, but if they ain't here and they don't listen to the podcast, boom, I can talk about it, boom. So this 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 prophetess came to my office, and um, you know, I, you know, hey, don't despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold to that which is good, right? Yes. All right, all right, and so and so and so and so, I, I don't I don't I, I, I pursue and desire earnestly that you may prophesy. So we're not against prophecy. So they come in my office, a couple, you know, and, and and it was something else. But then in the midst of the the the, the meeting, the person was like, hey "Amen, Pastor. Um, just want to let you know, I I sense, I sense, um, Pastor, um, that that um, um, your elders, um, some of them, and I'm looking at them like this, and they started talking some more." Mystical talk about one of the, some of the leaders here. So I'm just like, I'm like first off, you ain't met nobody, you ain't even been to the church service, but you just saw him and a chill went down your spine and you got something to say to me, right? And so I began to clap back. Um, and I, and I, just, I, just, I just, I just, I just said, you know, I hear you, sis, praise God. Because I believe based on 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that either men or women can prophesy and you can give me a word. But tell me, where in cheer, that in principle what you're saying is correct? Well man of God, I, man of God, nothing. Where is it in her, all right? And, 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 and they began to, to root their prophetic utterances in their feeling versus the verse. And I said, well let the spirit of the prophets be subject to the spirit of the prophets. We began to go and then the meeting was over. Um, and you, you have to be careful at what you allow to be an entrance to you while you're walking in divine purpose. Yes. You, you, have to be, you have to be careful of people that say they got a word but ain't heard nothing. Yes. And so, so you gotta be extremely careful. And so Paul begins to challenge and to challenge and to challenge and to challenge this reality with them. Look at look what he says. He begins in talking to them and encouraging the Corinthians in several areas, he says, he says in the next part of the verse, he says, for even if I boast a little too much on our own authority or of our, 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 our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up, not for destroying you. I like that. Amen. So so what, 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 he, what he begins to do is he begins talking to the Corinthians about the fact that God has him on to assignment to build them up and not to destroy them. Now, let's break this down. The word build up here is a household word. It's a construction word, which means uh, to, con- to to bring something to completion. Mm-hmm. Now, within the framework of your assignment as a believer, God has called you as a construction worker under His general contract tree, if you will, to bring something to completion. So, in the natural, we would if we were building this building, we have electricians, we would have drywallers, we would have all different types of people who have different departmental expertise. And what, 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 what they're supposed to do based on that particular area is to bring that particular thing to completion, but then it's dependent on others who have their assignments yes. to bring their part to completion yes. because if everybody's walking in divine purpose yes. and assignment in working in concert with staying in their lane, yes. they would maximize, listen, yes. their purpose. It's a, but, but what's interesting is he said, I ain't come to destroy you because many times in your purpose, when people speak against what you're doing, because they misinterpreted why remember in the context last week we talked about strongholds and it talked about destroying Every argument that lifts itself up against the knowledge of Christ yes. Whenever you're on assignment, you're gonna rub up against strongholds You yes. ain't gonna talk back to me And what's gonna happen is you'll rub up against people's strongholds now, the issue, though, is, and remember, stronghold is a mindset, a value system, or a thought process that hinders your growth. Remember that. So, so, so what happens is, is people don't realize what they're attached to. And everyone's calling, you're called, listen, to rub up against things that exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. But because, listen, they're attached to it. Listen, let me, let me give you this for free. Strongholds aren't attached to you you're attached to the strongholds. The only reason a stronghold exists in your life is because you're attached to it and letting it be bigger than Jesus. So what happens is, is when you're walking in assignment and you vicariously are walking in the will of God, help me today God, is that you will will begin to be a, a tear down mechanism for the stronghold, but because the person is bound, help me God, they can't see that you're trying to strengthen them and help them and build them up. They see you as an enemy and as a threat to something they're attached to. And so the Corinthians misinterpret it Paul's assignment to challenge them in some areas as destroying them. Why would you say destroy? Because they were so attached to it, they didn't realize that it was a part of their identity. And so Paul has them deep on assignment and trying to help them in this area. So he says, for even if I boast a little too much, (coughs) I love this, of our authority, which the Lord gave for the building up and the destroying, not destroying you, he says, I will not be ashamed. He says, for they say, see, n- n- every now and then, you gotta let people know that you know what they said about you. Okay, y'all, let, let, me, let me say something. See, see, to be a Christian isn't to be scared. To be a Christian yes. is to invest in confronting stuff. Okay, the cross is God's commitment to confront our sin. If you're gonna take up your cross, that same seed is used, the spell cross needs to be used for confrontation. And so what happens is, you know, let's, let's, let's chop it up. Let's get it. You know, I'm on assignment. I, I, see, I love the Bible because the Bible isn't a punk book, right? It's not a sucker book. And, you know, the Bible is about some confrontational realities that's done in love, not some abrasive thuggism, right? Like some of y'all are like, I knew I need, I knew I knew needed to raise up on Shorty. You know what I'm That's not what I'm talking about. I'm going to get all that. I'm going to stand toe to toe with a man. Shorty going to hear what I got to say. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? No, that's not. That's not the disposition of this, and that's not the spirit of this, and we'll see this in a second. He said, he said, he said. But I'm gonna quote you. See, sometimes you need to bring a notepad to your confrontations. Amen. I'm giving y'all some practical stuff. Y'all ain't gonna get this, it. okay? Uh, he said. He said his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak, and his speech are no account. Paul's like, all right, I hear you. He said. But let me tell you something. He said, let such a person see. He don't, I think he raised his voice at this part. <laughs> don't like he said. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter, boom. When absent, we'll say right in your grill. <laughs> I, I, I love that because Paul is letting you know. Like, don't be trying to act like I ain't gonna get at you now. Y'all know I love you, so I can talk crazy to you, knowing that you, you knowing that I love you. He says, not that we dare to classify. Uh, this is what I like, or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. In other words, we're not bigging ourselves up. So I'm not bigging myself up and I'm not comparing myself to other people like they are. He says, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. This is dope. So basically what he's saying is, if you compare yourself to other people, you can always measure yourself larger. (laughs) He He said, in other words, the standard is supposed to be Jesus, not me or them. He says, so don't big yourself up in that realm, right? And so, and so, so, so he says, let's, let, he said, because we can do the, the measuring and comparison game. And he said, but that's not how we roll because our standard and commitment is to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as he goes down, that brings me to my next point. And I'm out your way. Sometimes you have to clear some stuff up within yourself. You have to clear some stuff up within yourself. He says, but we will not boast beyond our limits. He says, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us. God has assigned to us to reach even to you. In other words, Paul says, listen. See, see. you know you're walking in in purpose when you don't go beyond what God has called you to do. See, many of us want to be bosses, right? And we want to be, you know, we want to be um, Christian, you know, puffies and Christian Jay-Z's. I ain't mad at entrepreneurialism, you know, having multiple streams of income. You know, I'm in there, I'm, done, I'm bossing this up. Oh yeah, you know, you want to be on the breakfast club, have your little situation beside you. Oh yeah, man, I got cookies, my son got cookies. Um, some of y'all know him. Anyway, um, anyway, catching on the way home. Um, you know, and, and, and want to and want to want to be a want to be brand like like we, we got this persona of what we want to be, right? Because we want to be a jack of all trades and a master of nothing. And so the Bible, though, said Paul says we don't boast beyond our limits. Now this is important because this helps you to understand you being comfortable with where the Lord has placed you, because you can get a natural promotion in man's eyes, but go through, but go through a spiritual demotion in man's eyes. In God's eyes. Because, because what's happening is, is you're basing promotion on the flesh, yes. not based on the spirit. Yes. And so Paul says, we don't boast beyond our limits. What does he mean, boast beyond our limits? In other words, glorify God in where God has given him a sphere to work in. I, I, and that means, that means you have humility enough to live in the realm of divine expertise, which God has given you. Let me see if we can make it plain. So my, my wife was at this appointment, uh, or, or she was in the hospital, and this dude, you know, young doctor came up, and, you know, my wife said, no, nah, it's not that. And he's like, no, nah, you need to do this. She's like, no, nah, it's not that. And she said, I'm, uh, okay, thank you. You know, and the doctor left. <coughs> and then she called the nurse practitioner. They came in, you know what I'm saying, and then the head. She said, like, "We gonna get the head doctor." Head doctor came in. Who told you that? And we said, "Oh, da da da." da. She's like, da da, "Da da da." That's not even his area as a doctor. He said, "In the medical profession, we never give advice outside of our medical expertise because that lacks humility. You're supposed to only do, just because you studied medicine doesn't mean you practice in that particular area, and so you have to be careful." of giving people advice outside of your medical assignment because it could cause somebody great detriment. Let me just tell you and be comfortable with where God has placed you. Be excited and thankful for the assignment and the season that God has placed you in because the beauty of that is you get to do this. An assignment is beautiful because it means that which was apportioned to you. Area of of, of influence means a a delimited area, clearly defined and delegated territory. So so that that means that every believer has a spiritual gift that's their territory, but also natural talents that their territory. Now, this is the key. Some have one, some have three or two, some have five talents. Now, don't let yourself get off kilter because you don't have as many as somebody else. Sometimes you can maximize to get just as much fruit of the person with five if you just maximize your one. Yeah. Oh, oh man! Amen, Pastor. Amen, Pastor. And so, and so, and so, what you got to do is not go beyond the limits of what God has called you to do. And in doing that, you 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 maximize. I remember when I first started ministry, I didn't know what area of ministry I was going to go into. And, um, I, 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 but I knew this. I, I just was like, listen, I want to be a youth pastor for the rest of my life. I want to sing, make some records, you know what I'm saying? Bless people through worship. You know, if you talk to people for the first part of my ministry, they probably thought I was going to be in music. And I want to be a youth pastor. I said, I'll do that. That's it. That's pretty much it. That's, that's all I want to do. So, um, so, so what happened was I'm in the choir at my church. Love singing. You know, I'm in the choir at my church. And so all of a sudden, people are like, um, can, E, you got some time for counseling. I'm like, for what? I don't, what are you talking about? Next thing I know is people ask for counseling. I'm doing premarital counseling. And I said, I'm a choir member. Why am I doing counseling? <laughs> right, right, then all of a sudden, before choir practice, they was like, the Torah director was like, E, do devotions. Um, Tiff remembers this because she was in the choir with us. And I'm like, why am I doing devotions before this? I ain't nobody's pastor here. And y'all, they gotta know I never want to be a senior pastor. I never, ever, 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 ever want to be a senior pastor. So I was like, man, I don't know what's going on. So I am like, anyway, I'll just do it. Then God just kept doing stuff with it. And so all of a sudden, you know, my, 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 my pastor was like, I need a five-year plan for the youth ministry. So I was like, boom. I started writing up the plan for the youth ministry, started walking through how we're going to go through the whole, all four gospels expositionally. I had small groups develop. You know, we're going to do this. We're going to go on mission trips. We're going to kick out and like this. And I presented. I was like, blah. And he was like, man, what is this? I said, the youth ministry. He said, man, this ain't no youth ministry, this is a church. <laughs> Listen, when you are called to do something for the Lord, it's gonna come out of you no matter what. <laughs> and, and, and I had to come to terms with my assignment. Let, let me just help you today, men and women. Come to terms with your assignment. And, 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 and listen, 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 it's so important to come to terms with your assignment. Don't, don't daydream about nobody else's assignment. Help me today, God. Somebody going to give me some help. And in other words, in other words, my, my mentor was, I was talking to one of my mentors last week. He said, he, said, he said, now, Eric, let me just tell you something. The grass may be greener over there, but it was manure there at one point in time. He said, you may have some manure right now. He, he started speaking to my spirit. He said, he said What, what begins as manure grows up as thick, rich, fruitful grass. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but your assignment may seem like a mess and it may stink, but God is up to something. The mess you're going through is only fertilizer for your future. Help me today, God. That's, that's all right. I'm, I'm going to move on. <laughs> That's, 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 that's really all it is. God is, God is fertilizing. That's why it stinks so bad. Because, because God is fertilizing the ground of your soul for what he's doing, where he's taking you, where he's blessing you, where he's making you, where he's transforming you. But you got to go through where you are. (laughs) Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. Look Look at what it says here for we are not overextending ourselves. Listen, he said, we're not not going beyond what God wanted me to do. No one of the things that that I like here, he says, as though we did not reach you, for we were the first to come to you, come all the way to you with the gospel. In other words, he's encouraging himself in his pioneering work in the gospel. Look what he says next. We do not boast beyond limit in our labors of others, but our hope is that, as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. So, so as you walk in your purpose, the whole, the whole idea is that you will begin to have broader areas of low-hanging fruit in where God has sent you. Listen, don't waste your time if God said no. And let me, let me give you something else for free. This, this for free, this for free. There's going to be hardship in your assignment oh y'all not going to think. But see, see, Paul, Paul, Paul preaching to himself because in Acts chapter, in Acts chapter um, nine is when he got his calling. That's when he got his calling. He didn't walk in his car. He was willing to wait, this for free, through the development season. Listen, he saw the resurrected Christ bling bling with his eyes. So he could have just went on like, I seen Jesus, I'm going in. But no, he had the humility to know that just because He had a calling for God, didn't mean that there wasn't a preparation season for his ministry and assignment to be birthed. Y'all ain't gonna talk back to me. And it and he got up under. He got up under people that he was smarter than. Come on, say that again. He got under people he was smarter than and more gifted than to be his commissioning agency in Acts chapter 13. And it wasn't until the Holy Ghost moved. And there was affirmation from those who were leading him, oh, yeah. oh God, yeah. that, 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 that he saw it was time to do it. But then he knew it was going to be, he didn't, when, when times got hard in his assignment, he didn't see it as God saying no to his calling, yeah. Yeah. but an affirmation of his calling. See, 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 in a hard day, see, Paul, it, what did Paul hear? from the Lord on that day, and God said it to Annas. Don't, you see, every time God says something to you, he has to say it to somebody else so that it can be affirmed, because if he only says it to you, you could be lying. So God, God. anyway, um, the, Bible, and the, and the, and the Bible, and the Bible said this, He says, and the Lord said that I must show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Chapters later, a prophet named Agabus got up, and he took off his belt. Yes. And, and tied himself up. He said, the man who owns this belt, when he goes to Jerusalem, yes. is going to suffer many things. Yes. Some some young daughters, some prophetesses, some from p- real prophetesses, yes. came up to him and started telling him that there was going to be a w- hardship waiting for him in Jerusalem. And people kept telling him, and, and the Bible says, and the community was telling him not to go. But the issue is, he didn't see suffering as a reason to run from his calling. Yes. He's, the Bible said, and he set his face yeah. all the more yeah. towards Jerusalem. Yeah. Let me just give you this for free. See, some of y'all, listen, some of y'all, some of y'all think <coughs> that hardship means no, and that when you're going through a hard time, listen, yeah. listen, that it can stop what God is doing. Right. Right. God so does his best work oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. On, yeah. when you're going through. Yeah. He does his best work when you're broke. He does his best work when you're dealing with sicknesses. He he does his best work when you're out of a job. He does his best work when you don't know where to go. He does his best because some of you, some of you, if you had everything, you wouldn't listen to the Lord. Some of you, if you had everything, you wouldn't, you wouldn't pray no more. Some of you, if you had everything, you wouldn't get in the Bible because that would eclipse where you're supposed to be. But a hardship makes you pray. Hardship makes you get in the Word. Hardship makes you go to church. Hardship makes you say, God, though they slay me, yet will I trust them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He says... He says, so He says, so, He says, so. that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. In other words, I want to pioneer stuff. He said, I want to go into places and go to places where man would boldly not go, but because God has called me and because God has assigned me, I'm going to go. I remember when people, when we were going to plant in North Philly, people were like, man, go to Northeast. Go to Northeast, go to University City. Man, why in the world would you go to North Philly? And I said, well, so it seems like God sends people not to where they're comfortable. Mm. See, see, to go where nobody went means that there's no cushion and there's no guide to what you're going to deal with. Oh, God, help me. And so he said, I don't want to tread on another one's influence. So let me just say a few things, and I'm out your way. I'm out of your way. Real... Realizing that everything that I'm asked to do is necessary to what I should be doing. So, what should you be focusing in on? Number one, what are your core commitments? What are your core commitments? See, many of us, can I teach for a second? And I I, I promise I'm out your way. Core commitments. First off, be a disciple. Come on, sir. hold, Hold on, hold on. See, yeah. many of us want purpose, but we don't want discipleship. See, many of us want to be in that place where we shine and we're able to make some posts to get some likes. That's not your purpose. On, your, your purpose, listen, starts with being a follower yeah. committed. to See, see let, me, let me say this to y'all. It's a lot of y'all come to church, but a bunch of y'all ain't committed. A bunch of y'all are committed to premarital sex. Uh, Some of y'all are committed to serial monogamy. Some of you are committed to blowing up and you're not a disciple and you don't want anything. You like to be around the church to check off your commitment, but you're really not walking with Jesus. And there, there are many of you, let me say this, there are many of you that are not committed and your life is filled with turmoil and a lack of commitment because you are determined to do what you want to do and you look down on what it means to be a real believer. And I'm telling you right now that you're, God loves you enough to not let you run away from it. He loves you enough. Okay, disciple. Disciple. Uh, uh, this is how I do mine. Let me give you some of my core commitments. First off, I'm a disciple. Secondly, I'm a husband, I'm a husband. If you're not a husband, you're a single person that's a disciple that's in the community with single people, amen. Next I'm a father, I'm a pastor, and then I'm stewarding my competencies. Let me explain that. And so I had to ask myself beyond my core commitments: what are my core competencies? Because if you don't know what your core competencies are, you'll just be doing a whole bunch of stuff. And so you need to let the track record of what people say you're good at and that you bear fruit in, be what you continue to focus on and build on. Oh, this is good stuff for the person that's listening. Uh, uh, And so what I had to ask myself, what should I be doing? The elders are always helping me with this, whenever, because I I can be ziggy-zaggy-minded. And so I got elders who are around or people who are around me and my wife that I said, no, you need to zoom lens here, Pastor. I know that's a good thing. I I remember Pastor Nyman said, Pastor, I I need to take that. Let me give that to somebody else. Who can do that? Do what only you can do. And so he's preacher, teacher, leader, writer. That's all I do. And if it ain't that, I don't do it. Help me today. You better, listen, your list of core competencies shouldn't be long. You may be able to do a lot of things, but you can't be fruitful at all them things. Anyway, uh, um, and so you have to, you have to do this. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me give you one question that centers me all the time. What has God asked me to do? See, not what did people ask me to do. See, i help me to. This is gonna help some 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 people that walk with Jesus for a while. They know what I'm talking about. Let me tell you. What has God asked me to do? If if He hasn't asked me to do it, I don't do it. Anyway, last but not least, and I'm out your way. I'm out your way. Um, so that means, uh, you and I, you and I have to look to Jesus, who was very clear about His purpose. It's interesting that the God of the universe who spoke everything into existence except for man, he shaped him, (coughs) came to die. And there was a lot he could have done. But what did he say? I did not come to judge this time. He could have judged, because he had the authority to judge. But he knew that in hypostasis, in his incarnation, that wasn't what he came to do at that time because he was on a particular assignment. He would say stuff like, I was only called to the house of the lost sheep of Israel. If Jesus needed to be focused, how much more? Then he tells them, I must, I must suffer many things and die and be raised from the grave. Jesus was focused. That's what we're trying to help you with, is is we need to have our life. And some of you are all over the map. And Jesus said, I didn't ask you to do that. I don't want you to do that. You're all over the place. You're trying to impress this person. You're trying to impress people that don't even care about you. They don't want anything for you. Stop trying to impress everybody and walk in what I required you to do. This is the family of God. (coughs) Some of you guys need to stop playing with your spiritual life and seek God. Seek His face. Some of us have thrown up, God, what you want me to do? And then you go on and do what you want to do. But some of you need to set aside some time and, say, and pull out a journal and pull out your Bible and spend multiple. Some of you need to miss some meals and pray, and travail with God, and hang with God, and then look for signs, like David says, I prayed and I waited for him to answer. The thing that you're seeking, that you're deep into now, have you sought God about it? Mm. I mean, I'm just asking you a question, have you sought him about it? And has it been comprehensively affirmed by his word, by a sense in your soul, by others who have watched you and affirmed that that's what you should be doing and have opportunities to execute and do that thing been open for you. If those four things are not happening, cross it out. And go to the next thing. And so our prayer is, is that the Lord Jesus Christ, his example, Christus exemplar, his death, Burial and resurrection from the grave was the most focused event in human history. And the power that comes from that is to be a disciple, to be able to walk in that type of focus. And the church said? Amen.